Um, I want to talk to you about this word, believe. And by the end of this message, it's going to be, my challenge is going to be this, do you believe? Josh just uh, came off a great series on Greater Than. And if you haven't heard it, great news is you can go to our website, pull up on the media, and while you're driving in the car, listen to the message, and uh, you're going to hear some really good things. But as he was doing it, I was wondering, do we believe what he was saying? And uh, so as I was, I was thinking about that, I was like, all right, believe. What does this word believe? What does that mean? So I'm going to spend a few minutes with this word, and uh, I want to talk to you. To me, the word believe is personal, right? I can believe in something that you don't believe in, right? Like my brother believes Florida State is the mecca of college football, and it's terrible. So, but I, I don't believe in that, you know, and uh, because belief is a choice, right? You're going to choose to do, you're going to choose in something that you believe in. Yeah, I see it. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> but you're going to choose, and, and when you choose, that means you're going to put your faith, and you're going to put your trust, and you're going to put your confidence in something, and with that comes action, right? If I believe in something, the normal response is I'm going to put action behind it. Kind of like uh, what we're going to see in a couple months, all right? Now, if your head has been in the sand, you don't have TV or anything like that, you don't know that November is a really big month for us as a country. You know, we all get to vote for a new president. Woo! Somebody new, right? So you've got on one side, you've got people, right? They are fully persuaded, all right? They put their faith, their trust, and their confidence, and their action in that moves them to do something for Hillary Clinton, right? So you got that. Now, on this other side, you got people the same thing, right? They, they believe, they put their full trust, confidence, they're fully persuaded that it's Donald Trump, and so they are moved to action. Now, the rest of the 80% of us, we're just going to vote for, like, the lesser of two evils. So that's okay. Um, but you, you see that believing is a personal choice. And today, I want, I want you to think of this word. I'm going to ask you to think of this word just for this message, that it is means fully persuaded, and it's personal, and it takes action, or you lead to action when you fully believe in something. All right? So we're going to read in Matthew chapter 13 today. And this is, uh, we're going to pick this up where Jesus is coming back to his hometown. Now, this is the second time that he visited his hometown. The first time didn't go too well, all right? So he went the first time, he preached in the synagogue, he pulled up some Isaiah passage, and the people got so mad at him, they picked him up, they dragged him through, and they are going to throw him off a cliff. But then Jesus did that superpower thing where he like became like invisible almost and walked right through him, which is something I need to learn how to do. So, cause, but my thing is I'm not preaching right or teaching right. I'm usually aggravating somebody. I'm like, I got to get out of here. He's like huge. He's going to kill me. So, but Jesus, he comes back a second time. And you know, guys, he wasn't dramatic. He wasn't coming back to pick a fight. You know, the hidden truth in it is that he has a desire for all people to come to know him, and he was going to go back because he wanted to do some great things for his hometown. And I think if every one of us, or most of us, we could all share in a story where God hasn't just given us one chance. He's given us two chances, or five chances, or ten chances, because that's God, because he loves you, and he loves me so much. So Jesus is coming back to his hometown. So here in Matthew chapter 13, 
verses 54, and it should be on the screen for you. It says this. And when Jesus had, uh, all right, that's 53. Let's go to 54. Coming to his hometown, he began preaching or teaching the people in their synagogue. Oh, I want to, I just want you to have a good picture of this, okay? I just, I just like for people to understand what's going on. So here in the synagogue, when somebody would teach in the synagogue, this is what they would do. They would stand up, they would read the scripture, all right? And then when they interpret it, they would sit down. That way the listener knew the difference, all right? So here's Jesus reading the synagogue. He'd stand and then he'd sit when he would interpret it. And I, I think of like an author. And uh, have you guys ever been to um, like a book signing? Anybody been to a book signing? Nobody? Good. Me neither. Uh, I've just seen it on TV or a movie. All right. So uh, I think it's Sleep is Seattle that has something like that in it. But anyway, so but typically, you know, you have the book. They, they sign it. And then what they do is they, they might read a portion of it. And they're like, this is the part that I'm going to read because I want to connect with my audience. All right. And picture this, guys. Jesus Christ is reading something that he inspired thousands of years before that. Because he is eternal, right? So this is something that he inspired and that he was a part of, and he reads it, and he's picking out parts of Scripture that he wants to connect with these people. And uh, when we find him using Scripture, it always comes back to him. You know why? Because the entire Word of God is about Jesus Christ. John would say this, and the Word, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus Christ, anywhere you look in the Bible, it points back at one person, and that's Jesus Christ. All right, so let's keep reading, because I, I just wanted to throw that out there so you can connect it. And it says, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miracle powers, they asked. They were questioning who he was. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this his mother's name, Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? When then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, and this is a proverb, a, a proverb that he would use, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and his own home. And here's the sad part for me, guys. And he did not do many miracles there because of his unbelief. Guys, you know, if we take like an external look at this, which we do with a lot of passages in the Bible, and we go, how in the world do they not know that this was Jesus and this man was special? Think about it. The blind would be, they would receive their sight. You know, I wear glasses. I have contacts in right now. I would love to not ever have to spend money on contacts again. I would love, you know, see again, right? He would take and touch the leopards, right? People that had leopards see that, that were outside the gate. They were outside the city and they were, they were filth. They were the filth of the filth. And he would go and touch them and he would heal it miraculously. Not just, I don't believe he just healed the disease. I believe he restored what the disease did. And then you would have people that couldn't walk, walk in their life. Catch this. They wouldn't walk in their life. Jesus would walk up, get up, walk, and they wouldn't have to go through eight months of physical therapy to figure out how to use those legs. Jesus healed all of it, you know? And Jesus would take, you walk upon a funeral, and the funeral would go from people being in sorrow, and they would turn into celebration, because that's what Jesus did, right? And I'm like, how in the world can these people not recognize this? And then I think back in the Old Testament, right, when no, here was Moses, and he was coming out of Egypt with God's people, and here they come to this great, huge sea. Now, there's some people that believe it's a small sea, but 
whatever. It was big enough to drown, like, you know, that, that ruler Egypt guy, Pharaoh, that's his name, and all of his people. So it was a big enough sea, all right? So he comes up, they cross in dry land. God gives them sunblock, you know, with that cloud over, over them that protected them from the sun because they were in the desert. And then they had like this fire thing that protect, at night so they can see. It was really cool, all right? And they had water that they would drink from the ground almost and food. God fed them. And then Moses left for a moment, and then they turned to some golden calf, and you go, what are you thinking? Crazy people. But when we take stories like that, and we take stories like this, and we get an internal look, and we look into it, we let the Word of God speak to us, I think, you and I might find some things that we can connect. And well, you and I might find that we have a lack of unbelief, if you will, or we have, we're limiting God because of our lack of belief in him. So three points I want to bring out today. All right, we're going to talk about three things, three points. First of all, I want you to understand this. To believe, you must know who he is. Do you know they knew him, but they didn't know him, Right? They knew Jesus. They knew from his background. But they didn't know Jesus. They were struggling with the same question that we have today. And that is this, who is this man? That is the eternal question that mankind will answer one day. Was he a good prophet? Was he a good person? Who was he? Now listen, his existence is not in doubt. It's what he stood for. That's what people doubt, right? You go back to the major religions, right? You've got your, your Jewish people. They believe Jesus was just a good prophet or a good person, and they don't believe he was the Messiah, right? Then you go to the other religion that's kind of come up over, over the last uh, few hundred years, I guess, or whatever, is the Muslim faith. They believe Jesus was a good person. They just don't believe that he was who he said he was. And then you have the Christian faith, right? And we can put that umbrella over all Christianity. And they believe, most of them, that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. He was the Son of God. He was God. He died on a cross, and he rose again, right? So you have to determine... Which one of those do you believe? His existence, he, he, it is proven. If you believe in Alexander the Great, you have to believe in Jesus Christ because he came after Alexander. So it's what he stood for is what you and I have to believe. Now notice these people, right? These people, they were offended by him. They were offended by what his words and what his works were. Now can you imagine a place where we live that's offended by Jesus Christ? Of course we can we live in it, right? We see it every day just about. Jesus promised it, right? Jesus said that, hey, they hate me, they're going to hate you, right? It was there, and the world is offended. But why? Why is the world offended? Hey, the truth is this, guys. The truth is, is that there's a conflict between our flesh, all right? There's a conflict between our sin nature and the holiness of God. Now, when God in the garden with Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did God do? Get out. You got to get out. I can't be with you, right? You know, the Old Testament, his spirit would come upon people and he'd leave. It wasn't until what Jesus did on the cross that made it where you and I can have the holy God living within us. Do you know that? So there's that conflict. Romans would say this, while we were yet sinners, while we were against God, like while we were enemies with God, Christ would die for us. John 3. I like the way John 3 says it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have 
eternal life. Now, I want to stop here because we get caught up on that word of perish, and we scare people. We go, hey, listen, God is going to send you to hell, which he will, right? He's going to send you to a place that's going to burn. There's going to be the worm that dieth not. If you hate roaches, imagine worms crawling all over you, right? That, that's what God's going to send it to you. But listen, that's not the highlight of the punishment. The highlight of the punishment is this. It is eternal separation from our creator. For you to be eternally separated from God is hell. It's too much because we are created with a God-sized hole in our heart. And if God never plugs that up, then you'll live with that through eternity. And there's not an amount of fire that can correct the pain and the suffering that you will have. Does that make sense? Right? So I just wanted to bring that out. So verse 17 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Listen, guys, Jesus didn't come to pronounce judgment. Jesus didn't come to say, You worthless people, you sinners. He didn't come to do that. Instead, he came to save the world through him. Whosoever believes, believes in him, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now, John puts it down to this. This is the verdict. All right? Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Anyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. Do you see why there's a conflict? Can you experience that? Can you see that there's a difference between Jesus Christ living in the light and us, before we know Christ, living in darkness? There's a separation. Do you see that the words and works of Jesus expose us for who we really are? And that is a people in a desperate need of a Savior. Do you guys know that? Do you know Jesus? Are you living in the light? Are you living, living condemned already? Guys, I think if we're going to be honest with ourselves, then the truth is, is that, you know, maybe, just maybe, God is limited in us because we went back to the darkness we once left. Just maybe, right? Second point I want to show to you, I want you to do this. I want you to understand. Oh, before I go to that point, I want to tell you this. If you don't know Jesus Christ, today is that day to come to know him. Best decision you'll make for eternity. Anyway, so I want you to know another point. Understand this. The tragedy of an unbelieving people. Guys, God's work was limited in that region, right? It says that he wanted to do many mighty works, but because of their lack of faith, he couldn't. And so he was limited. And guys, Jesus wanted to do something great there. Jesus still wants to do something great today. And he wants to use you and me to do that. Look at these verses here in John 14. It says, Verily, verily, or verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, there's that word believe again, right? Whoever's fully persuaded, right? Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Guys, get this. Many of Jesus' miracles that he would do, the physical miracles, it would represent what he was trying to do to mankind, right? Follow me. So you've got the blind. 
God touched them and they received their sight. Do you know the Bible says that the, the Satan or the enemy of this world has blinded those that don't believe? And if we are going to be people that are going to be used of God, then we will give them Jesus and they will receive sight, right? Now, follow this. What about the, the leopard person, right? You got somebody that's unclean, they're filth, and they're done in by the disease of this world. Jesus walks over and he touches them and they're completely made whole, right? Think about this, the dead, right? Someone's dead. You know, the Bible pictures us as the dead people. Do you know when we encounter Jesus Christ, it says that you are quickened? That means you are made alive. So before Christ, we are dead. And when Jesus would raise the dead, the picture was that he wants to raise a dead world and make them live or live again for eternity. You guys catch that? Jesus wants to do great works through us. He wants to use us every single day. But here's the, here's the thing that we have to realize. It's whosoever believes. Whosoever. You don't have to be the greatest communicator. You don't have to be able to play the guitar. Like, you know, you don't have to be able to hit the drums like James does, you know. You don't have to be able to do that. Guys, you don't have to be the most talented. You don't have to be the most educated. You just have to be someone that's willing, someone that chooses Someone that says, I put all my faith and trust in God. I'm going to put all my confidence in it. And it says that he will do greater works than what Jesus did. That's amazing. But here's the tragedy, right? Here's the tragedy. The Bible would say that if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. It is hid to them that need it the most. If we are unbelieving, if we don't, aren't fully persuaded, God's not going to use us the way that he wants to use you. And the world, the blind and the lame and the dead, those people that need it the most out there, they won't get it through us. Now, I'm going to show you one last point. Understand that if we are to be a believing people, we will change the world. Next chapter, right? We are in Matthew 13, so we go to chapter 14. It says this. It says, and when they had crossed over, they landed at, anybody know how to pronounce that land? Gennesaret. Is that right? Thank you, Josh. I meant to ask you before, and I totally forgot. It says, so, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him. And begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. You guys see a difference between Nazareth and this land? You see a group that didn't know who Jesus was? Then you see people that it says recognized who Jesus was. They believed in who this man is. And not only did they believe, but they were fully persuaded to the point where they went out and they spread the word to the entire country to the entire countryside. And it says they brought all that were sick. If True Life Church is going to be a church that is going to reach hundreds and hundreds of people in the space coast with the gospel, we're going to have to go out, we're going to have to reach people and bring the sick in. We have to bring people in that are blind so that they can see the gospel, so they can be exposed to what they are and not not be mad at Jesus or be angry at Jesus, but accept him because they know there's no hope. Now, we need to go get the people that are dead in their spirit and show them that they can have a better life, and they can only have it through Jesus Christ. 
And we just have to recognize him for who he is. And we will change our world. We will change what's around us if we recognize, if we were motivated. Now, if you fully believe, you remember, you fully believe, then there's action that you should have. So the question for us as a church today, all right, question for you is simply this. Do you believe? Do you believe in this God that wants to use you? Guys, bow your heads and close your eyes with me as Josh and the band comes up. Guys, I want to just tell you, it's been a couple, about a month since me and my wife have been here. And um, I want to, you, you know, how do I want to say this? I want to say, I want to be sensitive, but guys, um, I believe that here about a year ago, or maybe it's been less than a year, you had, you have a man of God named Josh, and you have elders, and you have, a, you have people in this church that they, they weren't, they didn't believe God was done with them. You guys didn't believe that God was done with this group of people. So you were fully persuaded that God was going to continue to move you and continue to do things through you. And that's why we are where we're at today. And me and my wife are so thankful to be a part of it. But you guys have continued that. So keep believing. Keep moving forward because God is going to do great things in this church. And you are a part of it. Just believe and witness what he's already done. Tell me, Father, I thank you so much for today, Lord. I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you so much for your son because it is impossible for us to do any of this without him. God, I pray if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, they won't leave today dead. I pray they'll leave today alive. And God, if we have been doubting, forgive us. God, if we've been holding back and we've been, we're not fully persuaded, forgive us. And use this church, use true life, because we will change this world because we believe in you. In Jesus' name I pray.